We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Cooley's with me today. Uh, there was some breaking news right uh, as we started to record this podcast. Alex Smith is retired. We'll have reaction to that. Cooley's got film breakdown on Mond and Mills and a couple of other thoughts. I'm going to open this show by reading, Chris, this tweet from Sage Rosenfels. By the way, I'm just curious. Did you – you didn't play with him, did you? He was gone. Who? Sage Rosenfels. Um, I don't think so. You know who he is. I didn't play with him. He, yeah. was, he, was, he was drafted by Washington. He was drafted by Marty Schottenheimer in 2001. Yeah, by the time you got um, to Washington, he was gone. He was actually gone after the first year. Um, he tweeted out the following over the weekend, and I just thought it was so funny because it's essentially what you've been saying. He tweeted, there may be a couple of thousand people in the world who know how to watch college or NFL film and know what they're looking at. Watching TV versions does nothing. Most people don't have a clue about defenses, protections, or coverages. Stop with the, quote, I watched his film, closed quote. Um, I think he agrees with you on how hard this is, and you can't get it from the TV version. How great is that? Yeah. It's because this whole deal's become so popular. I mean, think back five years ago when I was doing, think seven years ago when I was doing this, and, and the, the grades and some of the film break, and, and no one did it. Nobody did it. Right? Nobody did it. It wasn't, it was this novel new thing. It's not, I'm not taking any credit. It's not like people may not have done it before me. I don't know when people started doing it on radio or on on the on the internet. They used to, they, but now everyone's sending it to the internet. Ah, watching Davis Mills film today. Yeah, what'd you watch? Ah, DVR'd copy of uh, the UCLA game. Well, sweet, sweet. Where's the back end? Oh yeah, I don't. I just care about watching the mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> the mechanics. Cool. What yeah, what the mechanics, what right. positions? You know, 
I, you know I love watching skill position players, running backs in particular, and then you know just sharing my opinion of what kind of college back and why I think they'd be a good pro back, like any fan would. I'm not watching film. Uh, I'm not watching what you're watching. I don't have access really to what you have access to. I watch a lot of college football, and then you know I'll watch as we approach draft time, especially with players that I don't know. I will certainly watch a lot of highlights. And I'll try to find some games on YouTube, like real good games on YouTube. Um, But what do you think we are capable, if at all, in analyzing? Like, I I always think offensive line play, DBs, quarterback stuff is really hard because there's so much brain um, power that goes into playing those positions well. But running backs, don't you think on some level, uh, someone like me, uh, just a fan of the game can evaluate a running back? Totally. Because if a running back is getting handed the ball, you're shown every aspect of start to finish of that play on television. And then a lot of times, if it's a good run or something happens, even if it's a bad run or there's a big play of defense, they'll go behind the offensive line and show you, like, this is what he saw. And the the color guy will kind of walk you through what he's done, and some of that you're really capable of watching. I, I think it's it's one of the easier positions. I think tight end receivers are probably one of the harder positions because if they're not getting a ball so many times, they're not even on tape. Right. Safety's impossible. Corners impossible because you're not even like rarely do you see the entire. 22 guys on film at the same time. And so when you're showing the actual ball, the safeties and corners aren't even part of the TV. So I think those are really tough. Linebackers, you could have, I think, a semblance of being able to evaluate some linebackers. D-line offensive line for sure. D-line, absolutely, you can watch a pass rusher. And I'm not saying, when you say we, you're saying people that didn't play football. I'm just saying, if you're trying to watch television and evaluate it's tough. Right. <clears throat> right. Well, I think that it's more than that. I think, you know, most, you know, most really hardcore fans really don't understand what makes a really good offensive lineman you know, different from, you know, a good, like a great offensive lineman from a good offensive lineman or somebody who's capable of starting versus somebody who isn't. There's, there's a lot of technique. There's a, unless you really played the game and played that position, you know, you probably don't understand, you know, um, what they're being asked to do. I think the secondary and you hit on it, safety and corner, you just don't even know what their responsibilities on any play more likely than not were. You don't know what kind of defense more likely they were in, or even if you can identify, oh, they're in cover two or they're in cover three, and this is typically what their responsibilities are. Even if you're that sophisticated, and most fans aren't even that sophisticated, um, it's it's not the easiest thing in the world. Like, how many times do... No, it's hard. Yeah. It's it's hard because you weren't in that meeting to talk about his IKEs pre-snap and what he was looking at and why he was looking at that. And that might not, and that might have been coached in a, in a way that you wouldn't want it coached. I mean, it's it's tough because you're not in that meeting room to say, "Hey, hey quarterback throws a pick, uh, 
tight end's not crossing the face of a quarter safety, your receiver's not crossing the face of a quarter safety, and you're watching it, you're like, maybe it wasn't a seam, maybe it was an actually, actually a post, and he, he just wanted to carry the safety, and the quarterback shouldn't have thrown it. Maybe it is a seam. It's not always that you can tell that it's a certain type of route, or what principles were coached into that player in, that, in those responsibilities. Right. Like, a lot of times you could say, like, for a quarterback or for someone, well, it's muddy, and I don't like that. But at the same time, if the tight end makes a little bit more of an angle cut in front of the safety's face, he catches the ball, and now, now it's not muddy in the description. Now it's tight window Sunday throw. So it went from muddy interception to tight window throw because the tight end took one step further inside. Well, I am going to do what I've done with you more so than anybody else over the last many years. One of these shows leading up to the draft, I'm going to give you three or four running backs that I really like because I've actually been right on running backs a lot over the years with you. And I'm just going to give everybody, especially Terp fans, a heads up. I think Jake Funk can be an NFL running back. Um, If you don't know who Jake Funk is because you didn't watch a lot of Maryland football, he's a guy that basically was like a redshirt senior. He's been injured a lot. That's been the biggest issue during the course of his career. But my God, does he have incredible vision, sort of deceptive speed, really good quick feet, you know, in the hole. And he's a powerful runner at like, you know, 5'11", 6 feet, 210 pounds. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that gets drafted. I have no idea where he even he even ranks right now. I haven't even spent time looking at it, but I remember towards the, during this year just saying Jake Funk to me looks like an NFL running back. All right, um, what do you want to say about Alex Smith who retired after a 16 year career today? I think that it, he's going to really appreciate the decision. I know it's a hard decision to make. I'm glad that he thought of, thought about it. I, I would say if this had happened to him in year 8, 9, 10, that he'd regret retiring. But that always depends on the guy. I mean, gosh, it, it's funny. You talk about a guy that twice in his career was so close to being the dude and winning a Super Bowl and taking the team to another level. I mean, struggled in San Francisco early. They finally get to where he's the guy. They're they're a good football team, and now it's like, not Colin Kaepernick's going to play. Go to Kansas City, struggle a little early. Finally, get some weapons. Be the guy in the team. And granted, he had a chance in his last year there, and that last year wasn't great. Through a large part of it, now some of it was, but now Patrick Mahomes, and now you got you're bounced again. Yeah. Great. Like he was a probably the fifteenth to twentieth best quarterback in the league, four or five different years of his career, and man, it's it's wild to make the most of opportunities or, or have things happen. You know, one big game here or there at the right time for either San Francisco or Kansas City might have changed things. Yeah, um, man. But you remember that year in Kansas City. The year before they drafted Mahomes, that was the year that they went like 15 weeks before a a wide receiver, a tight end, got a touchdown pass. Yo, right, that's true. I do remember that. The year that that was the year the year before Mahomes. Right, the the year before Mahomes, it was a, almost a full year where he was the all time worst fantasy football quarterback. <laughs> yeah, they they um they that was uh they they just they. 
they didn't win in the postseason, obviously. He didn't really win put games in the postseason, and they weren't very good offensively, except in that one shootout game that Indianapolis um, came back with, with uh, Andrew Luck and came back in that 45-44 game or whatever. That was a crazy you know, wild card uh, round game. I, um, I, I, I'm just, for him, I think if we just go back a year, like one year ago, there wasn't much of a chance that Alex Smith was ever going to play. And then all of a sudden, it just – then we saw Project 11, and we were absolutely convinced. And when did we see that? Like June or July of last year, whenever it was. You know, the pandemic was already, you know, full underway because that was one of the big, you know, shows during the pandemic, sports shows. And it was like, okay, well, now we know there's no chance. The dude basically nearly died and certainly was lucky to have his his leg – and then it just started to, you know, go from there. And and I even when we got to the regular season, I was like, there's no way they're ever going to put him on the field. And you know, we remember when he had the the slight criticism. I think you know it, the context of it was a little bit different. And and Rivera talked about it, and even Alex Smith talked about it afterwards. About you know they didn't want me. You know the last thing they want wanted was to see me. You know around and available. Well, it was a shocker to everybody, and everybody feared putting him out there because they cared so much about him. It's really ultimately amazing that he got back out onto the field, played well, got the Comeback Player of the Year award, which was a no-brainer, and thankfully never got hurt again. I mean, I know he had was injured at the end of last year, but I'm talking about something catastrophic. It, it's amazing, especially after that first Aaron Donald game, that he got not only did he come back and play well at times, he really, you know, avoided what was everybody's fear, and that was some sort of catastrophic injury again. He was able to prove something to his him, himself. He always talked about how he wanted his kids to to learn that, you know, it's never over, that you know, resilience and persistence pays and all of that. He was able to teach that lesson if that was really a big part of it. And um, I'm glad he's not playing anymore. I mean, Urban Meyer was on Michael Irvin's podcast and essentially said, you know, they were interested, but they're really not sure, in in part because they really – he's concerned about Alex, you know, about his health, like everybody else was. Um, He said – here's the quote. He said, we had conversations with him, and there's some, you know, there's some medical people that in in, in our organization that were very concerned And there were, I'm sure, in Washington's organization. Again, Washington got away with something, Cooley. They got away with it. They did not have to do what they did. It turned out well for both parties. I'm not trying to suggest that it was a a risk that wasn't worth taking because he played well and he was significantly influential in them getting, you know, winning the division, you know, with a seven and nine record. But man, they were taking a big risk. And Jacksonville, who who wouldn't be taking nearly the big risk that Washington was taking with all the issues related to the criticism of medical and, and trainer and the whole thing, the Trent Williams stuff, Jacksonville's concerned. So I think once Urban Meyer essentially said we're really concerned, that was the only spot for Alex Smith. And I'm, I'm assuming that's why he retired, because Alex Smith was talking to him about an opportunity. So if there wasn't one in Jacksonville, there wasn't going to be one anywhere else. No, and I think there's that discussion of six or seven teams. Even at this point, there, there was a discussion uh, about Houston. Right. But in any one of those discussions, he fits as, if the guy we have now 
ends up getting a chance to play, like Deshaun Watson, or the guy that we draft ends up being a guy that we like, you have anywhere from competing through camp to six games to at most a year. And he's got to sit there and think, do I want to do this this deal for what, move to a city, take my kids there, do the one-year deal, and then call it? Or then go somewhere else and do the one-year deal again? I mean, his kids are old enough. They'd, if it were to go somewhere and do the one-year, like if it were me, I would really think more like, I'm going to go there, you're going to stay in school where you're in school, and I'll not be able to see you very much for a year. Who knows what they would do in that situation, but it's never going to be the the security of you're going to play here for more than a season. So that's hard. Yeah. Uh, what do you think he'll do next? I think he will do anything that he wants to do. If he wants to be involved as a coach, he'll someone will love Alex Smith as a coach. If he wants to be involved in the scouting department, I'm sure he can do that. If he wants to be a, in broadcasting, he can do that. If he, if he wants to raise his kids for five years, that's not a bad thing to do either. Yeah. Just be dad. I mean, it, it's whatever he wants to do. You know, that's for whatever reason. Well, not for whatever reason. The quarterbacks understand football on a level that most people don't through their career. Not that they couldn't or that they, someone like me really got to know it in the last three years of their career and then really, really spent a ton of time. But even it, even with me, there's still not that like trust level to talk about any position. For some reason, quarterbacks have that trust level to talk about anything you want to talk about. You know, like, he, he played quarterback. He knows. So, you know, know. You know yeah, how much Alex money he... whatever he wanted to do. You know, how much, you know, he made a shitload of money. I'm looking through all of the different contracts that he signed. Remember, when he was the number one overall, there was no, you know, there was no rookie wage scale. Six-year, $53.5 million deal as a rookie. All right, that was his rookie contract. Then he signed in San Francisco a two-year, $6.5 million deal. Then he signed in San Francisco a one-year, $4.9 million deal. Then in Kansas City, three years, Twenty-seven point seven million. Then in Kansas City, four years, sixty-eight million. And then in Washington, remember, it was the assumption of what was left on that Kansas City contract plus the extension. So it turned out to be four years, ninety-four million dollars, seventy-one million guaranteed. Basically, looking at this, I'm going to guess that over the course of his career, that he probably made. 140 to 150 million dollars gross. I think that's about right. I could live with that. <laughs> um, you know, that's contract. That's contract. He's 36 years old. Um, look, bottom line is uh, it was not a great trade for Washington in hindsight, period. There's no other way to say it. He wasn't very good in 2018. Um, that, you know, they were uh, the record. You can point to the record all you want. It was a house of cards. Um, they, they ran the ball. Well, they, they stopped the run. They, they won the turnover battle. They won the penalty battle. Alex Smith was not a dynamic quarterback. Maybe he was on the verge and maybe the offense was on the verge of something much better. Um, I think that that was headed to eight and eight, you know, maybe nine and seven in a playoff berth, maybe, um, he was really good as a game man.
managing quarterback, which is what he was in Kansas City for the most part. Um, This year, I actually thought he was more dynamic in a couple of those games, like the Detroit game, than he ever had been in 2018 which was the crazy part because he wasn't nearly um, as mobile. But he was a good NFL starting quarterback, never much better than sort of the middle you know, portion of the league as a starter, somewhere in that 14 to 18 range, year in and year out. You know, um, I, still, I still absolutely am convinced, and I bet Andy Reid feels the same way, that if they had gone to Patrick Mahomes in 2017, they would have gone deep into that postseason rather than losing in the wild card round at home to the Titans. It's not a knock, you know, being having a, a 14, 15 year career, whatever it was, 16 year career and being consistently, you know, in that top, you know, middle portion, some of the time, top half of the league, some of the time, some of the time, just on the other side of it is a pretty good career. And he was a winner. The bottom line is he was a winner. I mean, he finishes his career. I think it's like 30 games over 500. But he had, on those teams that were, were winners, had a hell of a lot around him. You know, he, that, that, he had it in San Francisco, hell of a lot around, you know, around him. And you already mentioned it. I mean, he gets benched, you know, in the Super Bowl year by Kaepernick. Um, and in Kansas City, ultimately, they went much further with Mahomes. But he had a hell of a, a, hell of a lot around him there. Good, solid starting quarterback for a long career. Nothing ever special about Alex Smith. Yeah, and I think that's why he wanted to keep playing, because he wanted to have that special year. And maybe it wasn't that he was going to be the special player, and I think he understands that, what limitations he has at this point. But maybe he was never going to be that special that special player. He just wanted the special year. I would have wanted the, I wanted the special year, man. I'm sure. Um, you know, actually, the timing of the, this is really um, interesting with him. Uh, a, a, a perfect segue into something I was going to bring up with you. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I want to get to your film breakdown, but I'm just curious if anything jumps out to you. This kid, um, I say kid, this producer of a sports radio show in New York at 98.7, the, uh, whatever, 98.7 FM, um, his name's Jake Montgomery. He's got like, right now he's got like 7,800 Twitter followers. He put out this tweet the other day, um, that ended up being like just an incredible tweet that went viral. And the tweet was, um, you can pick one athlete ever to have an injury free career from beginning to end. Who are you choosing? A guy that, you know, when he tweeted stuff out would get like three likes or, you know, a a one retweet and maybe four responses got uh, 12,000 likes, 22,000 retweets. And this thing just took off over the weekend. Um, And we did we did an hour on the phones this morning on the radio show. And there were two names that popped into my mind immediately. Uh, They were Gail Sayers, who had. Um, a, an unbelievable brief career, so great he was that he was in the Hall of Fame essentially playing four seasons of games, and that's it. Four years of true productivity, lots of knee injuries that ended his career after six seasons, but really he only played four seasons worth of games. He was in the Hall of Fame. It would have been incredible to see Gale Sayers, a healthy Gale Sayers for a career. And then Bill Walton, for me... Um, 
I most and a lot of people aren't going to disagree with this. A lot of basketball people will say that if Bill Walton hadn't had um, the chronic uh, foot issue that he had that really derailed his career, we'd be talking about Bill Walton in the same way we talk about Wilt and Russell and Kareem and Shaq and Elijah Wan in terms of the greatest centers of all time. He was that special of a player, um, but he never, you know, after the first couple of years, could never, ever stay healthy. Uh, but those were the two that came to mind. Now, a lot of people immediately said, well, Len Bias or Sean Taylor, I think we're looking for the injuries, not the tragedies that ended their career. I think that counts. I mean, I think my first name is Bo Jackson. That's, yeah, that was the number one. Number one. That was the number one. Yeah, in terms of the you responses know, to everybody. Yeah. For 30 on, watch a 30 for 30 on Griffey Jr. He's, he'd be another one. Like he, I mean, he already had an amazing career, but riddled with injuries. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of people had him, too. I think, like, as far as a pure baseball player, maybe the best. A lot of people believe that. Definitely. I mean, there were there you was that thirty for thirty, and you're going to believe it. Yeah, I mean, there were so many <clears throat> that came up um, uh, during the show. Um, if you want, you can go back and listen to it on the Team 980. Um, and if you want, tweet me uh, at Kevin Sheehan DC with some of them. Uh, all right, let's get to Cooley's. That's, that's a good hold on one sec, though. Yeah, not like like in my own world. God, I wish I could have played fifteen years, fourteen years. <laughs> You know what I mean? I know you did. Re- you retired prematurely because of injury. Retired is sort of what it was. I mean, it was sort of that, but it was also like, I guess I could have made a choice to go to another team, uh, right, right when I was done. But it probably wouldn't have been the same. But if I, I mean, in my own world, I had three eighty catch seasons, a couple, a seventy catch. You know, I probably ended with seven eight hundred receptions. 900 or so. I, could have, I would have been up there as far as reception goes. That sucks for me. And I and I had got when I was hurt when I hurt my knee. It was the truest moment where I loved ball. <laughs> it was like that. You know, the, you always hear veterans talk about like really slowing down and really starting to figure it out. But, yeah, that was kind of the moment for me where I was like, I really want this now. Well. I mean, think about it. I mean, you you retired at a, at a very young age, especially for the position. I mean, Jason Witten just gave it up at 38 years old. You were done at 30, but really were done at 29. You know, because 2012 wasn't. You know, you didn't you didn't participate that much during the course of that season, and it was it was obviously because of injuries. Um, and yeah, I mean, you had you know you had incredibly productive seasons. So if you hadn't gotten injured, and I I was actually going to say the same thing. It's you know you were you know look you were perceived early in your career as a little bit wild, maybe a little bit unfocused. I'm not saying you were, um, you know, interested in a lot of the other stuff that was going on. But by the time you got to Shanahan in 2010, 2011, and 2012, you really were you know. For the lack of a better description, you were maturing as a professional, as a person, and maybe you're if you were healthy, the next four to five years could have been your most productive years. With the other idea that throwing the ball to the tight end became even more popular, right? And moving guys around became even more popular. So, 
Anyway, I didn't. Yeah. So. Um, by the way, the other one too that it, so you hit on a, a couple of them: uh, Bo Jackson, Griffey Jr., Walton was a big one with a lot of people. So was Sayers. Tiger Woods really is is I don't think most people understand Tiger Woods' um, career and how dominant Tiger's been, and just how many of his prime years he's missed or had altered because of injuries. Um, there, there would not be a record in golf that Tiger wouldn't own had he stayed healthy throughout his career. And by the way, most of what he would have set along the way would have never been broken. I mean, it would have been almost impossible to imagine that anything would have been broken. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, made it several years, 142 straight cuts. You know, he's, he would have certainly at this point without all the injuries, he would have passed Jack on the major championships list. He would have extended his all-time PGA Tour victory. Here's a guy that in two separate years had seven consecutive wins and six consecutive wins. That's almost impossible to believe. Because you watch golf and I watch golf. I'm in a golf pool. Nobody wins two weeks in a row. And he had a year in which he won seven straight weeks and then another year in which he won six straight weeks. So if Tiger had stayed healthy his entire career, there wouldn't be a record that he wouldn't own and most of them would be untouchable. He really is, in many ways, the most dominant individual sport athlete. He's certainly in that conversation and would have been by himself in that conversation had he stayed healthy. All right. Crazy um, how good he was. Just, it's uh, just crazy. Nuts. All right, when we come back, Cooley's got some film breakdown to do on some of the other quarterbacks uh, right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, you've got some film breakdowns, but you wanted to mention something first about quarterbacks. Yeah, just because I'm watching all these different videos out of interest and watching all these evaluators and everyone who's brilliant now. You read all this stuff and you look at all this stuff and like what matters for a quarterback? And like Accuracy comes up as a big one and arm strength comes up as a big one and you know, I, I think back to when I was in high school and the way they coached quarterbacks. And I remember the first day when I wanted to be the quarterback I should have been, but the coach, you know, talking about where well, you got to push that ball higher up on your right shoulder and then it's got to come over the top. And like everything for a quarterback was defined by the upper body mechanics and the throw mechanics. And everyone was taught like 
pure upper body throw mechanics. And we've talked about that forever. I don't give a shit what their upper body mechanics look like. Is the ball out quick and is it out with some accuracy? I mean, obviously the decision-making I care about, that's the anticipation and on time. But it is so funny. It, it really took a guy like Mahomes for now everyone to evaluate, well, look, he can make the off-platform throw. <laughs> yeah, well, guys have been making the off-platform throw for a long time. Like, guys can do that. But it took that Mahomes to go, it's okay if it's almost always off-platform. It, it, it's just, it, it, you get so convinced with this upper body mechanic stuff. I don't care what his upper body looks like. I actually have gotten to the point now where I've decided that their lower body mechanics is way more valuable to them having success in any given play, any given season, into the future. It's way more train, way more. I think tough to ingrain into some of these guys their feet and how important it is. And to me, it's like how quick is the ball out, and what are your lower body mechanics? And the lower body actually helps the ball come out. It's just it's weird how you you look at it, and I think as you evaluate these guys, does it matter what it looks like when the ball comes out if the ball's consistently accurate? It shouldn't. And then I was actually thinking about Dwayne a little bit. You know, Dwayne had has really little touch with those heavy over the top mechanics, and his his when he pushes when his lower body matches a little bit and he doesn't open the gate. It's pure, man. Like that, you, you, some of his would you teach a quarterback that old school, over the top deal. Um, but for whenever he wanted to throw with touch, he had to sidearm it. He couldn't throw with touch with that heavy over top mechanic. Couldn't take anything off of it that way. I think the only thing on the upper body mechanics is if it leads to not getting the ball out quickly. But that's how everyone's been coached is that pure over-the-top throwing motion. Will, will lead to getting the ball quickly. All I'm saying is that and you said you don't care what the upper body mechanics are, but the upper body mechanics are, are somewhat important to quick release. After Walk out, grab one of your sons and walk out and try to go full upper body mechanics and throw it over the top and see how fast the ball comes out to where you take it a little bit to the side and flip, flip your wrist. See what comes out faster. Yeah, I no, did it yesterday. Right. I know what I know what comes out faster. Now the question is: Is he athletically inclined enough? Did he play baseball? Can he throw? Not necessarily off platform. Just can he can he make throws wherever he wants the ball out of his hand? Can he make it down on his side a little bit? Can he make it on his shoulder a little bit? And then when you start thinking about it, it's like those are the throws you have to make. You got to manipulate the offensive line, the defensive line. You got to throw around guys. You got to be able to like it can't. It's rarely going to be hit your hit your fifth step, hit your third step. Pure driven over the top mechanics. Yeah, well, I and mean, I'm doing it yesterday, and I'm I played baseball, so I can throw it with accuracy. And clear, like when you watch me throw, it's not it's not like a, the most beautiful sidearm, or you know what I mean. But I can throw it hard, accurately, twenty yards down the field right now uh, with a sidearm. I think one of the things too that you know. I, as offensive lines and defensive lines, as the league's gotten bigger and bigger, you see, you know, one of the things I don't think most fans understand is these lanes. Like, they're throwing in passing lanes. Like, they're blocking to create passing lanes. They're, they're, there's, and then you, you have to adjust arm angle to get it in certain spots. And 
It's just, it's not drop back seven on seven. Nobody's putting their arms up to disrupt a throw. No, never. It, it, it's just, it isn't that way. And for whatever reason, and maybe guys with the pure over the top can take something off. Can, they don't got to throw a hole in everything. Right. You change your arm angle a little bit, and it allows you to tempo the ball a little bit better. Just, just as a, someone like me, like a natural kind of athletic movement, not like the pure passing movement. I can tempo it better with different arm angles. So I guess that was just my thought. And then the lower body mechanics, when you watch a lot of these college quarterbacks and gun, they get lazy with it. In the NFL, it's really wild. If you look at like notes from a quarterback meeting room or stuff they're given, it, it, everything times up with their lower body. Like you're timing things up. When you hit your third step, the ball's out. You know, if, if the ball's not out because you don't like something, it's one hitch and go. And it, when these guys you're watching don't have the base or don't have the footwork, it makes it really hard for them to turn down number one and get to number two in timing. Right. It, it's an extra step because they didn't hit number one the way they should have, and they're not under balance. And so to get to the second read, it's not two. It's like this whole kind of two-foot dance deal back there to kind of turn their body around. To so, me, like, the more I'm watching these guys, the more I care about that three-step, five-step operation to be able to hit your toes, mid-foot toes, and stay under balance with some separation, shoulder width, and be able to move, shoulder turn, shoulder movement under balance to do everything and it's not everyone that does it it's really and it's 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 i don't know it to me i think it's more important um did this come up for you because this is just a, a guess because i have no idea what you're going to say about Kellen Mond. I know what you said last week, and you know my position on him. But the one thing about Kellen Mond that I've never liked is it looks like he's trying so hard when he's in the pocket to have like perfect mechanics that it almost makes him look stiff and not very natural and not very comfortable. No, it's funny. I told you I wanted to talk about this, and in part that's because of watching Kellen Mond. Yeah. But it came up over the weekend, and I can't remember. I was talking to a friend who's in the business, <laughs> and we were talking about a lot of these quarterbacks and who he liked and what he thought of some of these guys. He, he's, you know who it is, but I'm not. I'm, he doesn't need to be talking to me about prospects, although I thought whatever. And so I just went out and I started, we were talking about footwork and some of these things and why there's so many misses on quarterbacks. I, I just think like people get enamored with looking at the wrong things. So I was kind of trying to fine tune my thought process of what should I really, what, what really would be the most translatable? What, what are the skill sets that I want them to have the most right now? So what are they? List them I think in me, order. To me, it's how quick is the ball out. And arm strength matters, but how quick is the ball out? Like If you were to, Put a clock on him, a right-hander. The second that left hand comes off the ball, what's the time on it? To throw it 5 yards, to throw it 10 yards, to throw 20 yards. What's the timing on that? Mm-hmm. Because a tenth of a second more than somebody else is going to change a play. It's going to change the timing. It's, it's the difference between open and covered in the NFL. Can he flick his wrist and throw the ball? 
And then it's also like the Aaron Rodgers, can he really do it without having to wind up? Right. Some of that was watching Justin Fields. Like, I think Justin Fields has to wind up to every Yeah, you said that. I, and to me, I, I think it's slower coming out as he's getting rid of it. But two, can he throw it accurately with, with multiple arm angles and, and on the move? And, God, the guys that can throw it from that sidearm, kind of that second baseman type of throw, they're the guys that can make the best on-the-move type of throws, the best on-the-run type of throws. The over-the-top guys, the Dwayne's, they almost have to jump turn their body to get into a position where they could still throw the ball over the top. Like, can you field a ground ball moving towards third base as a shortstop and kind of go off the side because your body's twisted completely? And, and those guys that can do it accurately, I think, are special. The footwork is huge. Can they move in the pocket with their feet? And can they stay and manipulate the pocket with their feet? Can they shoulder turn in the pocket? Can they do some of that stuff? To me, that's really, really big. The next thing that I love is the guy that can turn down one and with his feet go to two quickly and turn down two and go to three. And I don't have to see it all the time, but I want to see it a couple times in every game. Like, I know he didn't like one, he didn't like two, he knows where he's going with three, and he, and he gets even better, and this is crazy, that he maybe thinks about three, and then he goes to the back as the check down. You're like, guy knows his stuff. Like, I don't want to spend all day teaching a quarterback progression and defense. Like, I want a guy that at least has a base understanding of it. And I think I show that a lot of times. To me, that those are those are big. And then the next thing I love is like confidence, uh, guts, competitiveness. Like, can he lead his team? Big moment. Can he walk his team down the field? There's something to that. Yep. I think there's definitely something to that. Can he get out of the process of what it is? But like the pure mechanic guys, I think that's so 2000. So nine, so nineteen ninety five. Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen you know it's it's more than just Mahomes. We've seen guys with odd throwing styles as long as it's out quickly. Philip Rivers is a perfect example. He doesn't have textbook form, obviously throwing the football. Um, Russell Wilson doesn't have textbook th- uh, form throwing the football. There are a lot of guys in the league that that throw it a little bit differently and a little bit more sidearm. Matt Stafford throws it a little bit more sidearm. Um, I, uh, one of the things you didn't mention, I uh, to me, watching quarterbacks that are, you, you said, being able to man- manipulate and move in the pocket, but it's that also, it's that, it's that vision, it's that feel without having to look at it. It's, it's understanding in your periphery right. where it's coming from and naturally, you know, like in a two-hand touch game in, in your backyard, being right. able to stay away from a guy and, 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 and throw it. It's like having that, that, that athletic, you know, um, spatial thing is so important for a quarterback, especially in the red zone. Very often, more, more times than not, touchdowns in the red zone happen off schedule. And they happen because the quarterbacks oh, yeah. created more time. I completely agree with you. And I understand if a quarterback gets hit in any given game, well, I don't like it or condone it, that then they start maybe looking at the rush a little bit. But if you don't see a guy, if you see a guy that's always, like his head goes from field to where can I move in the pocket and that's consistent, I don't believe that's teachable. I think that's pure natural ability. Does he feel it and see it out of the corners of his eyes yep. without having to look at it? And I, 
I know you can't teach peripheral vision. No, you can't. Totally agree. No matter how many so, things that Jim Zorn smacking on the the head of the quarterback or whatever he was doing, that's all feel. That's all innate. It's natural. Yeah. No, I'm. I think that's that's me, and that could even be up there with you know a high number one. Does he have natural feel in the pocket? Keep his eyes down the field. I totally agree with you but, that you can't you know, teach when, that. When you're talking about being able to go from one and look at two and then work to three if it's a full progression, or from one to two and then move without looking down and still get to the back, I think those are things that show that you don't have to look at the rush. Are you a believer that if not accurate in college, they'll never be accurate? Depends. I think to some extent on what kind of accuracy you're, you're, you're talking about, like what kind of throws they're missing. You know, are they missing a few deep throws in certain areas that they can work on? I think some of that stuff can time up a little bit different. Some of it's timing and some of it's footwork. You know, some of it's, it's your feet don't time up with when you want to throw the ball and it's not out in the right spot. It's almost comparable to like when for anyone that was a receivers running a route and they're just not really that comfortable with their feet. And now they're looking at, okay, this is a 10 yard route and my right foot hit at eight yards. And so all of a sudden I'm going to break it short at eight yards and it's going to be ugly and floppy because I didn't get my feet under control as opposed to just comfortably getting another full cycle and going one, two at the top. It's it, like that whole like a visual adjustment to the yardage to get your feet underneath yourself as a receiver I mean, that's something I love to see in a receiver. Is a reset, push a little bit more vertical, trust that there, you, you can get where you need to get, and then break it off again. I don't know. No, it's, I... it's some of it, some of it's timing. Like when you when you're talking about like some airmail throws, like consistent airmail throws in a game, consistently high. Like I, I was concerned with Dwayne with Ohio State stuff, and again we we talked about this. It was pre Washington. Right. He threw a ton of balls high. Yeah, especially under pressure. And that, to me, was lower body mechanics. When he'd open up, he, he's sitting there left foot forward, and then he'd open up to almost left foot back behind right foot as he'd throw it. Like You think about making that movement with your hips, it raises your whole body up, which then raises your arm up as you're throwing it. And his lower body mechanics were really needed a ton of work. I just think that that's a harder muscle memory to overcome for these quarterbacks. And I don't care about the upper body mechanics as much. You know, you know used what? Used to. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I said used to, and everyone used to. Everyone used to say upper body mechanics. That's right. great. I don't, I don't think so. I, I that's think, a lot on that. I think, when, thing, but. I think when you're watching a quarterback um, throw a lot of the touch throws, whether it's a screen. Um, whether it's, you know, he's coming back one, two, three, and it's a tight end wide open and he's trying to throw it in touch, but also with touch, but also so that it's not underthrown, so that the, you know, tight end can take it. I think you can see sometimes in quarterbacks in college, they don't have any feel, they don't have touch. And I think that's another thing that's hard to coach. I think that's another thing that's natural. I see it in basketball, like a guy that, that passes naturally, um, let me give an example. Um, 
you know, like the ball goes to the wing and, and you got a big man posting up and you're, you're throwing that entry pass from the wing into the post. And there's got to be some touch and some feel on that pass, you know, you know to get it to his outside hand um, if that's where, you know, if he's got the target up. And some guys, you know, will rifle it. Some guys don't have the touch. And I, you see that, I think, in college football. You know, a guy that'll gun one out to on a screen to a guy that it's set up perfectly and he just he guns it and it goes through. No, you got to throw that with a little bit of touch and lead him a little bit. I think that's a, that, I think that's a natural thing, too. Do you agree? I completely agree. And then you're even talking about the guy that can throw it with a little English and he can put it a little right. further outside and have a little bit of spin to bounce it in. And you're like, that guy can pass. No doubt. But yeah, the screen thing's a perfect baseball comparison where you're like, okay, you, you're up the middle as a shortstop or second baseman. Stand tall and fire one like you were pitching it or crow hopping from center field and see what happens. Yeah. Or just whip it over. No, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, it's, I, I think just any, a lot of you that are listening are like, you know, I can throw a football, I can throw a baseball, I can pass. I've got, I, I yeah, unfortunately, you're not 6'4 and 215 and athletic as hell, but I know what you're talking about. Like you, you know, you've got good hands, you've got good vision, you've got good touch and the whole thing. And you sometimes are watching a game and you see this big, strong athlete and he can't throw it with touch. And I don't think that's something that you just all of a sudden improve dramatically on. That, that's something that, like, at 12 years old, you sort of have, you know, a, a feel for throwing with touch. In any sport, passing with touch. I think it's a huge product of one-sport athletes. Perhaps. Yeah. I think it's, it's a product of not playing other sports. Like, a quarterback that would play basketball and then play baseball he's going to have a feel for touch because he's going to make different throws with different balls right. from different angles. Yep. Agreed. Whereas, and, and the other thing is like, let's say I'm the screener. I'm the screen guy. Do I care if that ball spirals to me? No. No, just get right. We're, we're, we're six yards apart. Do I care if that wobbles a little bit at me? No. Do I care if it hits me on my left side so I can turn and run to the left versus at my feet or a Ball that he's trying to throw a bullet into my through my chest that right. I gotta I gotta completely stop and actually catch the ball before I can run. Like I want a ball that I don't even have to think about catching. Totally agree. So I, mean, I just when you when I, when you're evaluating all these guys, like a big strong arm doesn't mean shit to me. Most of these guys can throw at sixty yards. It's more like the, do you have the arm when you need it, but when you don't need it. Can you put the ball where it needs to be? And quickly. And can you make it? And, and your job as a quarterback is, the, is to be the distributor. You, could you distribute where that guy can get six extra yards instead of get tackled on the spot or have to go down for it or have to go reach back behind his body? Like your job is just to put it where it's supposed to be. All right, let's get to these film like breakdowns. Um, uh, we got to get another break in here. Uh, promise on the other side of this sponsor, Cooley will start film breakdowns of Kellen Mond and Davis Mills. Stanford quarterback Davis Mills has been flying up the mock draft boards here in recent weeks. Um, Kuyper's last version had Mills going 51 overall in the second round 
to Washington. What do you think of Davis Mills, Cooley? Davis Mills is as interesting as anyone gets, I think, in this draft. One, he played three seasons at Stanford, and he played. He started fourteen games right. three seasons. Yeah, right. Like he played. He started. We played in one game in 2018, which was not. He threw two passes. In 2019, he played in eight games, and in 2020, he played in five games. He kept COVID to start the last season. Right. He's a guy that has two major knee injuries, one as a senior in high school and then another one at Stanford, and you're like, okay. Um, unknowns, there. Um, that, to me, is, is a little bit scary. So, yeah, there's, there's a ton of unknown with Mills. And there's, there, there will be through all of this, even when you watch every single game. Uh, you start with some of the positives with Mills. The one, I love this. He's got his sleeves out. He looks like Peyton Manning. He's got his whites coming out of his jersey. He looks like Peyton. And he's, he's kind of the prototypical dude, right? 6'4", big, big guy, 220. Big, good-looking athlete at quarterback. He doesn't look as big as Peyton. Well, Peyton was 6'5". Yeah. Okay. Well, that's why then. Yeah, of course. But still, like big prototypical looking quarterback. We talked about feet and base before. I think Davis Mills is is pretty good with his footwork in the pocket. I, I think his feet are consistent with what he's trying to do. I think his base is good, and I think his delivery is good when it comes to that. He, he looks like a quarterback. He looks like a pro quarterback pre-snap. And not saying that he can't post snap, but pre snap he looks like a quarterback. I think he can manipulate with his eyes. It's gotten a lot better. He's gotten a ton better in 2020. You look at his 2019 film, he ain't getting drafted at all, even with the pro day that he had. 2019 was was a bit of a struggle at Stanford. 2020 is a little bit better. I think he's got good control of the football at times, especially to the middle of the field. And he can fire it in there. Maybe it's not the A-arm, but he can fire it in there. He's got the ability to keep plays alive in the pocket, and he can make that off-platform throw, you know, that moving back to his left and zip it out across the field a little bit to the right. No, but even at that, there's times where you're like, probably didn't even need to do that, bro. Probably could have just thrown number one. Um, he's, to me, like, he's, they're flashes. He's a highlight, low-light guy, which makes him, with, with the amount of games, like a pure projection do you like the intangibles when you talk to him? Is there enough there that you say he's going to keep getting way better? I think before we get to some of the negatives, the perfect example, they're playing UCLA. Yeah. They're down in this game 27-20. He's already thrown two picks. One of them's a bad pick. This One of them's into what you'd call muddy waters. And, and now all of a sudden, down 27-20, moving the ball a little bit, he throws – to a quick in or a slant on his left, and the corner is rolled up into two into it, and it's a pick six. Yeah, like guy, that's football one hundred one. Like you, you got a rolled corner, you can't throw it. You can't throw it quick in. That's a no no. And see? now all of a sudden they're down thirty four twenty, and you're like, game, see you, man, night. And he brings them back, and they end up winning the game. He Incredible brings them game. back with 239. 239, they're down 34-20. He throws a corner into a tight window that maybe even, I'm not sure he should throw that ball, but he fits it in, and they, they score, and then he comes back down, and he throws a seam down the middle of the field 
with like 19 seconds left, and they, they end up winning that football game, Kev. Yeah, I know. It was an incredible comeback. Incredible comeback. But it's he put him in the position to have to come back. It was him. Yeah. But then he brought him back. High light, low light. I don't love that. Some of the negatives. His You talk about like quarterback accuracy, and he has it. He's also got significant misses. He's got some like airmail balls. Some not 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 a Pony Express. <laughs> well, some of them, some, big misses, dude. some, some of them are touch passes, rate. like we were just talking about. Some of them are like screens and bubbles, like just massive, easy throws that are misses. Yeah, I, I put on. And granted, this is his first game back. The first game he played is Colorado. And he misses an easy one early to a tight end that should have been picked because it's such a bad throw. And then he misses a bubble the next drive that he throws behind the receiver. It goes out of bounds. You're like, whoa. Those are those are bad misses. Right. And when it's the first film you put on, you're like, okay. In the first six throws, he's got two really bad misses. And you can go through the year and find like the bad misses. I don't mind the miss on the body of a receiver or just behind. But when you're throwing it seven yards over the head of a dude, you may as well be throwing it into the third row. Like, where does that come from, Kev? I, I just don't get it. So it that, I'm, I'm questioning a little bit. It is a pro-style offense they play, and David Shaw is one of the last guys in college that plays, you know, mostly under center, you know, tailback, fullback, tight end, couple receivers, you know, and is super conservative. No, it is, but that doesn't justify missing by seven yards. No, it doesn't. What What about his mobility? That seems to be to me. I mean, he's not that. You know, he's not that elusive. No, but he can move and extend a play. I think he's mobile enough to move to extend a play. You see him downfield; he can make one cut and and make a guy miss. I'm questioning his ability to truly slide. Well, he's got a, so weird with those guys, but he's got that big old knee brace he played with all year long. Right. Going to probably keep wearing that knee brace for the rest of his career. So I don't. I think he's okay as far as mobility. When when you look at like mobility downfield, whatever. I mean, it's not phenomenal. Mobility in the pocket's pretty solid. I like his pocket mobility. I, I I think he needs to continue to improve with anticipation. To me, he's got to see too much a lot of the time before he lets the ball go. He's either got to see the defense or he's got to see. His receiver win, and there are other times where I'm trying to think of the game, man. He ends up taking a sack in the pocket. He takes it back like he's going to throw to a wide open, deep crossing route. It's a touchdown, and then he eats it and takes a sack. You're like what? What are you seeing there that you missed? And you find this a lot of times with different guys, but to me, it's like some of the significant misses, some of these turn down. Looks some of some of the throws that I I question like did it come out on time? I'm not sure. Now it can come out on time. I'm not saying that he can't throw with anticipation, but he shows enough that he struggles with it. It improved through 2020, but there are still moments all the way through the end of the season, all the way through the end of his five games where he like he needed more time. He needed more time in a system, and I think people are going to see that, and that's what the anticipation thing is going to come. They say prototypical quarterback can make all these throws. 
been moving up in the pocket, doesn't have to look at the rush. We can develop this guy. So what? Um, what, what? And I wrote like kind of like chuck and duck with pressure, like throw and duck. <laughs> like, yeah. like you're not going to throw and take one in the chest, which I actually like. But he'll throw, still throw an okay ball, and he can throw a decent deep ball. It's not always perfect, but he can he can throw a decent deep ball and a, and a ball to the sideline, like a fade ball with some touch to the sideline. So I think there's you see him make every throw. You just see enough of the bad that you're really questioning it. Would you take him? Not before the third round, by any means. No. Okay. You know, um, I don't think he's a starter. I don't think he starts for you in year one. I don't think he starts anywhere in year one. I think he's got a long way to go. But I think he's on the right track of where he's going with it. You know, he, like Kyle Allen, was basically the number one, you know, um, pro-style quarterback in his high school class. Kyle Allen was, too. Kyle Allen was a five-star guy. And so was Mills. And he went to Stanford, didn't go to Georgia, because I think I think it's because Georgia recruited Fields. Or maybe it was Fromm. I think it was they, they recruited Jake Fromm instead, because he's from um, might have been suburban Atlanta. He tore his knee up in, in the state championship game senior okay. year. Well, that, but he would have so there could have been someone that said no. I think he committed you know, long before that. I think he was committed, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, let's do Kellen Mond right after this word from one of our sponsors. Kellen Mond, Texas A&M. Kellen Mond looks bigger, by the way, than Mills, but he's not. He's maybe 6'3", and, he, and he's narrow, which I don't – like, he's 200 pounds. I don't, I don't want to get too caught up in that as a quarterback. Uh, he's a guy that I think has a big arm, and he's a guy that can – he can throw a bomb. He can throw it 65 yards and hit a guy in stride. So that's a – I mean, that's a plus. I think he's a guy that gets the ball out quick. It's not always pretty, but I think the ball comes out of his hands pretty quick. And I think in that he can go one, two, three, and, and balls out, and there's anticipation and some tight window throws. Like he, to me, he's a guy that can make some really, really good throws, like, like sharp A throws into, into traffic, into, tall, into tight windows. Uh, he's a good enough athlete to run, to make plays off script. He's not an elite athlete where he's going to be juking people like Jamar, Lamar Jackson in the field or like Jalen Mills or even like Trey Lance, who's not not Lamar, but he's not he's not that guy. Um, some of the negatives, we talked about feet. His feet are an absolute mess in the pocket. They're huge, big stride off first step, short, choppy, one, two, three. Uh, there's a lot of wasted time with his feet. Yeah, I think some of that makes him look more tight than he actually is. Yeah. Uh, I think it also hurts his accuracy at times because he doesn't have his feet under him in time to throw some of these balls. I, I think he struggles a little bit with touch. To me, we talked about touch being a huge thing. I think he wants to throw it through everybody. Definitely. Like he is trying to be John Elway out there. And I don't mean he's trying to be. That's just the way he's throwing the ball. It's rigid. It's really mechanical. It's more over the top than everything. And he's trying to throw balls through people. Um, he's just okay when he's on the move as far as throwing the football. Like It's not really a natural making big-time throws on the move. He, there are throws that he makes. There's, but to me, it's not. it doesn't look fluid by any means when he's moving to throw the football. 
gets away with a lot. Some of the decision making I would question for sure. But at the same time, like he's a guy that didn't throw a ton of picks. You know, I think he threw what three picks last year. He's also a guy that's played a lot. Yeah, I mean, played in what ten and his freshman year, thirteen, thirteen, and ten last year with the COVID year. So he's a guy that's played a ton of football. I don't. I I told you, you know, I, I like Davis Mills. There's a lot of people that think Davis Mills is the fourth best quarterback. We were talking about this last Six, week. Sixth, sixth best. Would you yeah. take, there's a lot that think he's the fourth best. Oh, okay. Or yeah, fourth. Fourth. I haven't there's seen a lot that. Of people that, that that like him more than Fields and, and Jones? Look at Chris Sims. Okay. Yeah, Chris Sims okay. was big on, on Mills. I saw that after we talked about it over the weekend. Got it. I'm I'm not taking that bet with you right now that it would be him before Trask or Mills. I think that when I look at him, he's a guy that I do appreciate that's slowly gotten better every single year. He looks like Dak Prescott to me. Dak was much more fl- fluid. I think one of the things, and you said it with Mond, and when you said it, I'm like, definitely. I mean, he, he, what we were talking about, you know, about guys that don't always throw with great touch. I mean, on a throw that's just three yards, you know, he's trying to drill it through somebody. He looks very stiff. He looks like he's trying so hard to, you know, to be mechanically right. And I, I don't know, to me, I loved Dak Prescott as a quarterback in college. He was really fluid. And by the way, won some really big games on his back. Mond has, you know, the one thing that you said and other people that I've argued with about Mond on, there's no doubt that 2020 was his best season. It was not only his best season in the, the way he played, it was his best season in team results. The win over Florida was our, was probably his biggest win since he's been the quarterback there. Florida was, you know, ranked third in the country or whatever they were. Florida's defense, though, was atrocious this year, and he was outstanding in that game. And he was better this year than he was in previous years. You go back, though, in – some of those games, and especially when Jimbo got to Texas A&M, they had some big games, and there were some big anti- you know ex- expectations. And you know, as a team, as an offense, they they consistently fell flat in some of those big games. Whether it was against they played Clemson, you know, a couple years ago um, in uh, in Death Valley, they you know they they had Clemson and Alabama and Georgia all on their schedule in 2019. I think it was. It could have been 2018. Um, and uh, and and it just wasn't even he wasn't even close to being good enough, not even close. So I remember those games; they stick out to me um, because they were big games. But you're right; he got better this year. He got better, and the the team's results were much better with him this year. Um, so I give him credit for that. But he's too stiff and not fluid enough for me. No, and it's funny because you, you watch his pro day like we were talking about his feet, and he doesn't look as stiff. Like his feet are so much better as pro day. Clearly, he worked on it very hard going into that pro day. Right. Like the top of the drop type of stuff. But gosh, yeah, he's just so upright and he's so rigid. Right. Um, look, both he's got of a big arm. He's, he, he does have a massive arm. And, it, and it's not like it's this deliberate launch pad throw. Like he can let it go. And oh, it, yeah. He can let it fly. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's got to put his whole body into it. He he can he can throw it, but he's a fastball pitcher. 
Yeah, I, I also hey, we got to teach this guy how to throw a changeup, bro. You you know you talked about you know can the guy lead him downfield with the game on the line? Too many times the answer was no. Too many times. It, it well, and the thing is, is he doesn't have all the intangibles to do that. I, I just don't. He, he, he's when you're leading him down the field, man. You you got to be able to move a little bit and on the run, just whip one out there, and you got to be able to get to the check down quick. And there's too many like need to see it have to have it and works really well when they're operating in that RPO can go with zone read can keep a run pass mix when it's straight pass he just doesn't have the pure intangibles in what from what I like as a quarterback to make any kind of throw got to be more right for him um, they're both very different quarterbacks which makes it interesting um, you know I think Mills is a project more for sure you see more like pure quarterback type stuff that you like from Mills. I think Mond is a guy that you know more of what you're getting and will be a slow developing progress through the NFL where you may be able to play him a little bit earlier, but I don't know if the ceiling's there. But, I, I mean, when you're talking about the next guy taken, if these were to be, and they will be the, they will be the sixth and seventh and then eighth wherever Trask fits in there, and I'll watch him. I don't think either of these guys I'd take before the fourth round. Yeah, I I'm glad you said that. Uh, that's that, that's sort of the way I felt um, uh, about both of them um, and watching them. Just remembering watching them, not a lot of Mills at all for me in terms of even remembering him because he didn't play that much. But God, I watched a lot of Kellen Mond over the last three or four years, and I just remember each sing, each time in each game. You know, this guy's got an NFL arm and he's an NFL prospect, and I'm like, no, no, thank you. Um, I, d- I do like Kyle Trask, though, so I am interested to see what you think of Trask um, as, a, as, a, as a pro prospect. And the other guy, too, that I really loved when he was at Wake and we didn't get to see him last year, but there was a lot of you know buzz about Jamie Newman in the year and him playing in the SEC this year before he opted out um, because of COVID. Um, I would have loved to have seen what kind of year he he would have had at Georgia on that team with that defense this year because they really were not good enough offensively. So maybe those are the two we shoot for doing on Wednesday. Yeah, I'm surprised he opted out. Yeah. Are you? Uh, I mean, this was a huge opportunity. That was a really good football team except at quarterback and – and you know they just they they had their struggles offensively, but def- defensively in the SEC, Georgia was better than Bama, Florida, and LSU defensively this year. I mean, it was not a. When you were going to have the ability, you were going to have the chance to run more of an offense that everyone wants to see you run. Yeah, like Wake had that weird delayed zone read offense that they ran so much. Yep. Remember we talked about that yep. where like he's they're walking it to the line of scrimmage before they're pulling it and. Weird stuff that Wake did. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen. Um, I would have loved to have seen him with Georgia this year. They they just could not score um, enough when it mattered, uh, and they had the kid from SC uh, Daniels ending uh, ended up being being uh, in the lineup. Um, uh, JT Daniels, and then they got had the guy Stetson Bennett early, and neither one of them was Newman talent wise. I don't think. So um, 
but Newman apparently had a shitty, you know, practice week in Mobile. So, you know, that's a that's knocked him down. I mean, I, I barely even hear his name anymore. But watching him at Wake, he looked like he had something to him. I think Trask is just really tough and big and strong and a guy that will be in the NFL. You know, I hate to say this, but he sort of reminds me of, you know, the guy that I told you that I liked coming out of Oregon State um, that is the backup in Minnesota. I'm forgetting his name right now that I I loved him so much, and I thought he would definitely start games in the NFL. uh, the dude that was with the Rams. The guy that the guy that that Sean signed and is with or was with the Mannion. Rams. Yeah, Sean Mannion. Uh, like to me, there's a lot of Sean Mannion and Kyle Trask similarities, um, but I think Trask is even. Uh, Mannion was a big dude. Where is Mannion now? With them signing Stafford, I'm assuming he's not in L.A. I have no idea where Mannion is. No, he's not in L.A. But Sean did but like he him, wasn't right? In L.A. last year. Well, he had him there, but I can't even remember to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't think I ever talked to Sean about Mannion. He was the he was in Minnesota last year, but he's not on their team right now. I think he's still a free. He might be a free agent. Um, okay, so overall, basically, you wouldn't pick either one of these guys before the fourth round. Nope. All right, um, we're done for the day. Cooley will be back with me on Wednesday. Tommy tomorrow. Have a great day. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.